0: To Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of Second Kings, chapter 23. Here's Pastor Ryan.
1: So in our story tonight, as you know, the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, is about to face the judgment of God for their apostasy. God will allow the Babylonians, who is the new world power, within our story. The Assyrians are going down, and the Babylonians are rising to power, and God's going to allow the Babylonians to go into Jerusalem and take his people captive for 70 years, and it'll be known as the Babylonian captivity. 70 years, and that young man, the prophet Daniel, will be one of the young men that are taken captive to Babylon. It's a sad reality for Israel. The northern kingdom had already been taken captive by the Assyrians, but now the Babylonians are going to take the Jews in the southern kingdom into captivity all because of apostasy they turned away from the love of God God who loved them and gave them the land to worship pagan the pagan gods of the people and we can apply that to our life as as Christians as you know God called us out of the world and so we're, we're not of the world anymore the days of wanting to be accepted and like the world should be done the moment we come to Jesus Christ. But of course, not all of us are at the same levels of maturity, so we bear with the scruples of the weak people come along as they grow in the Lord, but the closer we become to God, the less and less dependent we are on the ways of this world. Amen. Proverbs 14:34 is a very famous verse that is that is often quoted concerning Uh, the nations it says that righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people and that is true for any nation that righteousness exalts a nation God looks at the nations and, and seeks for nations to to walk in a godly manner or to be led in a godly manner but how much more do you think that God expected Judah Israel to exalt the Lord to walk in a righteous manner The northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of God's people, more was expected of them because much was given to them. They had Moses and the law. They had the prophets and the fathers. They had the oracles. They had the very scripture, the word of God, and they were to be a light to the world. They weren't to be a part of the world. They weren't to be influenced by the world. They weren't to want to be like the world, God set them apart. And because they had so much information about the truth, when they turned from God, that's a very serious matter. And the same as can be said for all of us. Though so, To whom much is given, much is required. The more knowledge that you gain from this book, the more you and I are going to be responsible for that knowledge, right? So that's a biblical truth. So we need to be a church and a people that looks upon the history of Israel and their failures as really a, a warning and an example to us so that we don't fall into the same sins that they fell into. They took their eyes off of God. We cannot take our eyes off God. They became complacent when God blessed them. They became complacent. I mean, you know, prosperity can be a dangerous thing. So if God blesses you, honor him with the first fruits of your increase. Honor him with praise and worship and and draw closer to him. We have the Holy Spirit living in us if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who helps us, who yearns jealousy concerning bowing down to the idols of this world. And the Holy Spirit, you know, can drive me crazy in a positive way when, you know, I haven't sought the Lord as I ought to, when I have been too much about the things of this world and not about the things of God. The Holy Spirit within us yearns jealousy. Oh, he does. And uh, it's best to just seek the Lord and just walk in in the peace of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So we want to look at their examples and learn. So here in verse 26, we're coming here now to the end of Mm -hmm. Josiah's life. It says here in verse... Twenty six. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath, with which his anger was aroused against Judah, because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will also remove Judah from my sight, as I have removed Israel. And will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said my name shall be there. Nevertheless, the fierceness of God's wrath cannot be stopped. And it says, nevertheless, because it was speaking of really the beauty of King Josiah's walk with God. That there was none like Josiah. He was a good king. He was a king who um, loved the Lord, who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might. And that there was no, no king before him like that, nor afterwards. You know, the scriptures are, are pouring this wonderful sprinkle of sugar upon his, his life and how he lived before God. But in spite of him being such a good king, nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath. In other words, even though Josiah was a good king, one of the few good kings in the southern kingdom of Judah, there was no stopping the wrath that is about to hit Judah. Because his grandfather Manasseh was wicked, extremely wicked. All of Jerusalem was polluted with perverted idols. I mean, this is the city of David. This is the city of God. This is a temple where he chose to put his name there. And yet it was polluted with idols. It was polluted with the shedding of innocent blood. The abortions taking place, the perversion taking place, the sexual immorality, not just Jerusalem, all of Judah and the northern kingdom. It was polluted because of Manasseh. So even though Josiah chose a different life for himself, and his father, Manasseh's son, he did evil in the sight of the Lord too. But Josiah didn't have to do evil just because his father didn't walk with God. And Christianity is generational in the sense where each generation must choose how they're going to live. Not only in the, each generation must choose, but he, even within families, within the family structure, Jesus said, I came not to bring... Peace, but a sword to divide, divide father against son, mother against daughter. Within the household, there will be division. Jesus said, I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. So you had grandfather and father who were wicked Kings, but yet Josiah, by the grace of God decided, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to follow that route. I'm going to honor God. Like some of the fathers in the past, like King David, nevertheless, God's wrath was coming. And it reminds me kind of of the situation you and I are in. There are so many good Christians in the world. But no matter how good of Christians we are, it is inevitable that this world is doomed. And I don't say that to be like a fatalist. I believe that we need to, to live enthusiastically, hopefully, and occupy until he comes. But the reality of the history of the planet Earth and what is happening biblically It is inevitable that Jesus Christ is coming back to destroy this world. What church is this? We're a biblical church. Jesus said in John 3 verse 36, write it down. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe, the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him. Those are Jesus' words. He basically says that he who believes in him has everlasting life. He who does not believe in him, the wrath of God abides in him. That's why Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. The world's already condemned. The world doesn't know it. It's your job to tell them it's condemned. Give, please give your life to Jesus. God loves you. He created you. Turn from your sins and give your life to him. Stop living for yourself. Live for Jesus Christ. That's the message of the gospel. But he said it himself. The wrath of God abides with those who don't accept him. And I don't mean believe. Like many say, oh, I believe. No, do you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of him? Oh, no, no, no. You just believe that he's God. I too believed that he was God. But that didn't change me into following him. I totally knew that Jesus was God growing up. I knew. I just didn't want to follow him. So I believed in him, but I didn't believe in him unto salvation. It wasn't until I bent the knee and repented that he became my Lord and Savior, and I believed the way Christians believe, because even the demons believe that he is, and they tremble at his name, at his feet. But it's about following him. So Jesus is basically saying, he who follows believes the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son... Shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. The beautiful thing about the Lord is that He took upon Himself the wrath that belonged to me. All the sins that I've done are they're, they're just gone. They're just gone. All the sins that you've done are gone if you've accepted them. They're gone. The wrath that was supposed to hit you and me has been. Played, he took that wrath on the cross. In one John chapter four verse ten, John the beloved would write this concerning his Savior. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent his son to to satisfy the wrath of God, the propitiation in place of you, in lieu of you and me, he sent his son. That's how much he loves you. And if you're here tonight or watching or listening on the radio, God loves you. No matter what you've done, he's willing to forgive you if you would just turn from your sins and accept Jesus Christ. He will take the wrath that belongs to you upon himself, for that's what he is. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins. Paul the Apostle throughout his epistles would would, would mention that the wrath is coming in various places. In Romans chapter 1 verse 18 he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God is coming. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6, Paul says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Colossians chapter 3, it's the same thing. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God is coming. Read Revelation. If you haven't read the book of Revelation, it's a good time to. It's fantastic. Reminds you of the times that you're living in right now. It's crazy and cuckoo as it is. It's coming to a place where nevertheless the fierceness of God's wrath is coming. It's coming. It's coming, guys. Second Peter, if you'll turn there with me, we'll read a little bit concerning that. Second Peter Chapter three. Give me an Amen, please, once you're there. Beloved, I, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the father's Died or fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Where is the coming of his promise? For this they will fully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And so Peter is saying, these scoffers who are saying like, yeah, they've been saying that Jesus is coming for a long time. Where is he? Where is he? What is, is he taking so long? And he calls them scoffers. And, and Peter is saying, they forget that, that God by his word created all things and flooded the earth in Noah's time. He killed off the world. It already happened once. Now, where is the wisdom of the age during that time? Can you imagine when Noah was building that ark with the mockings and the the scoffing? Like, what? This guy's cuckoo. And he builds the ark and the flood came. Where's the wisdom of the world? It got drowned in the flood. But the wisdom of God did not get flooded by by the water. And Peter is saying that. The heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the... And now the same word that destroyed it is the same word that preserves it now. Hebrews 1 would say that Jesus Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. He preserves you, he preserves me. If he can preserve the planet earth till he says it's time, then surely he can preserve you. But beloved, verse 8, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as, as, as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. So According to that, Jesus died 2,000 years ago on the cross. It's been only two days in his economy it's only been two days he's coming look at the signs he told the pharisees back then hypocrites you can tell the weather oh man we i I can get the weather down now to a science on my phone we have to be open to what's going on around us the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is longsuffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is taking his time because there's more people that he wants to get saved. He doesn't want anybody to perish, so he's giving more time, guys, for more people to get saved. This is why you and I are alive. For only one purpose, to share the gospel, to praise the Lord, to warn people of the coming flood. Not flood, but fire. Fire. That's why we're alive. Let's be good plumbers, let's be good police officers, let's be good firemen, let's be good accountants. But at the end of the day, we're Christians first. And whenever we can find a footing, an angle, we need to share the love of Christ. We need to warn people of the imminent judgment that's coming in a tactful loving kind not weird way happy hunting Ask the holy spirit how very naturally but the day of the lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up therefore since all these things will be dissolved of how we ought to live knowing that nevertheless there's a lot of good Christians in the world and a lot of good churches doing good things but nevertheless the fierceness of God's wrath is coming and it cannot be stopped it cannot be stopped there's going to be a moment where he says that's it and this world that mocks him thinks he's a joke They really do. They think that you're crazy and I'm crazy and, you know, they were oblivious until the flood came. The Antichrist is going to come and he is all about control. You cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot do anything without his permission, without his mark. They say don't get political, but the Antichrist is a politician, a politician that's going to woo the world as a peacemaker. The Lord says that he's going to Send a great delusion upon the people, or the people are going to, to be deceived easily, and you see that happening, how easily the deception is today. And, and I'm, I'm right there. I'm a human like anybody else. Without this book, oh, I can easily be be ensnared. I can easily, you know, go the wrong way. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians. Paul speaking of the Thessalonians in, in, in chapter five, just speaking of the day of the Lord them worrying about that the lord had already come verse five do you not remember that when i was still with you i told you these things and you know what is restraining what is holding it back that he may be revealed in his own time that he is the antichrist for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he Capital in your bible speaking of the holy spirit he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way the holy spirit and his work throughout the churches will be removed in order for the or when the church is removed out of here with the rapture then the the antichrist will be revealed when he is taken out of the way And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth. Why are they perishing? Because they did not receive the love of the truth. They did not receive the gospel message. They didn't want it. And this is why they are going to be condemned, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's only one reason why people reject the Lord. It's unrighteousness. And it's at different levels. It's not unrighteousness like, oh, you know, this guy's like a serial killer. You expect him to go to hell. Unrighteousness, we're talking about good citizens, lovely people, but they just... They just don't want to follow the Lord. They won't steal. They won't cheat. They'll pay their taxes. They'll be the sweetest people, good family people. But guess where they go? They go to hell because they thought his blood did not be important enough for them to submit to that truth. So God's going to say, now what are you going to do about your sin, good citizen? Well, you look good, but God sees the lust in their hearts. God sees the hatred within That's why he told the Pharisees, oh, yeah, you say don't commit adultery, but if you even look at a woman, you have to pay for that sin. And God will hold them accountable. You may have been a good citizen. You may have been faithful to your wife, but I see the pornography in your heart. You lived in, you know, he sees, that's why. The Lord says there's nothing hidden that will not be exposed. But if you give your life to the Lord, you get a clean rap sheet. (laughs) The day is coming. Verse 26, back in our text, nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath. It's coming. There ain't no stopping it. But the one thing we can do to honor God is to, if we care for the loss, is to share what Jesus Christ has done for you. To show by your obedience to the Lord how awesome he is. It is a love of Christ that compels us to move in action and to serve him there's nothing that he cannot do through your life excuses when it comes to the lord how, how can if he lives in us and he wants us to do something we can't make excuses it's impossible there are jobs that he wants done and he has saved us to serve him so we should serve him we should be involved somehow some way help out be involved in hebrews 10 verse 24 through 25 it's it's a verse of this pandemic it really is it's what's been said many times through churches all around the world all over america and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching and that verse is connected with it's inevitable that this world is doomed It's inevitable that the wrath of God is coming. Get together that much more so as you see the day approaching. That verse doesn't go away. It just does not. You can't eliminate that verse from scripture. No matter what they tell us in the world. And the Lord said, I will also remove Judah from my sight as I have removed Israel and will cast off the city Jerusalem. And that's a very sad statement because Jerusalem is synonymous with Yahweh. Amen? When I went to Israel in 2001, oh, it was not like that. That morning when I saw Jerusalem for the first time, it was special. It was like, we're about to go around the bend, get your cameras out, get your hearts ready. You are going to see the city of David for the first time. That's how it is. It's like, they didn't say that when we cruised into Galilee. They didn't say that even when we went to Nazareth. They said it when we went to the city of David, Jerusalem. The city that Jesus wept over. And when you go there and you see the big Islamic dome of the rock. And you see the mosque of Omar. And you see the Israelites, the Jews
0: today, crying at the wailing wall. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. Or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chairman. Above your throat single